0: amen good morning good to see all of you this morning and good to have those of you who are watching from your homes this morning as well Luke's gospel chapter 24 our final message in the series the story of Jesus hard to believe that the series that we started in January we are now finishing up here in July Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, which also means that next week we start a new series on David, the worshiping warrior of God. We hope that you will be with us because that's going to take us through the rest of this year. David, the worshiping warrior of God. As we approach Luke, chapter 24, I am reminded that most of the time in our life as followers of of God, God works steadily and progressively over time. We spend our life becoming more like Jesus. But there's also moments in our life, defining moments, where God works instantaneously he works immediately that, that there 's a, a whole change and transformation of our spiritual state that happens in a moment, because our God is great enough to do both, and I have approached this Sunday even more than most, carrying a great sort of burden for this Sunday and and carrying the weight of what I believe God wants to do this Sunday in our lives through our worship and through the Word. Because I I think that this could be a transformative Sunday, not just in another step of progress, but this could be for some here today literally an instantaneous and immediately leap forward in your walk with God. And I hope you believe that that can happen today because that may even be just the faith that God is looking for to do something like that today in your life. Why do I say that? Well, most of us are going to spend the majority of our time when we open up Luke 24 looking at the resurrection. That's obviously... Significant, right? That's where Luke begins, chapter 24. But I don't want to put my focus there today. I I do want to mention a few things surrounding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First of all, you'll notice that Luke begins, chapter 24, by reminding us what day of the week Jesus rose from the dead. It was on the first day of the week. That's Sunday. And that's why you and I today, some 2,000 years later, do not come to worship God on Saturday, which is the Jewish Sabbath, but we worship God on Sunday because it is the day that the Lord rose from the dead. And ever since the church started, that's when they started meeting. To both acknowledge the resurrection of Jesus, their Lord and Savior, and to celebrate his resurrection, not just once a year on Easter Sunday, but literally every Sunday that we come together as God's people, we should be reminded Jesus is alive. And that we are connected to a risen Savior, And it also maybe answers the question, because I've gotten this question over the years as a pastor, why do we not worship God on Saturday? Why do we worship him on Sunday? Because we can trace it all the way back to his resurrection and all the way back to the early church. 2,000 years of history. That's why we meet on Sunday rather than on Saturday. The second thing that I want us to see, is the ladies were going to go out that morning and they were carrying these spices that they were going to further sort of anoint the body of Jesus with, right? And as they get there to the tomb, they see that the stone is rolled away. Let's be reminded, the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out, but to let witnesses in to let those outside see that he is not here he has risen and then as they're there contemplating what they're seeing and not being able to explain it Luke tells us that immediately in their midst are these two angelic beings and they basically state to the ladies, why are you looking for the dead among the living? He's not here. He has risen. And then the angels go on to tell the ladies, remember what he told you, literally what he promised you, that he would have to go to Jerusalem, and suffer many things and be crucified, oh, but on the third day, rise from the dead. All of his followers have heard this over and over again from the lips of Jesus. And this isn't just Jesus saying something, well, this could have, this is Jesus, the one that they say they believe in and are following. These are promises that he has directly made to them and yet they're living as if what he said is making no impact on their life. All of his followers, based upon what he said to them, obviously would have been horrified to see their Lord go through what he did on the cross. But immediately after they put his body in the tomb, man, all of them should have been camping out outside that tomb, just waiting for that third day to come, living in expectation and anticipation of his resurrection because that's what he said he would do. And has he ever not done what he said he would do? But there was a disconnect, obviously. Obviously. None of his followers were living in expectation and anticipation of his resurrection, even though over and over again he told them, This is what I'm gonna do. Why the disconnect? That's what we wanna talk about, because I think this is something that is so relevant to our walk with God today. In fact, when the ladies leave that moment with the angels, and go back and start telling the other followers of Christ what they've experienced at the tomb, Luke tells us that they all think it's nonsense. And they don't believe them that somehow Jesus would be alive. So what's the problem here? Well, we begin to understand what the problem is when Luke relates to us Another story in Luke 24, and that is the story of these two close followers of Jesus who are leaving Jerusalem, and they are dejected, they are depressed, they are, like, hopeless. I mean, they're down, and they meet somebody along the road out of Jerusalem, and we learn it's Jesus. But even though these two followers have been very close disciples of Jesus, the Bible tells us they don't even recognize him. In fact, we are even told by Luke, God is actually permitting them not to be able to recognize him at this point because God needs to teach them and every last one of his followers a spiritual principle that literally can transform and change our lives. So they're walking along with Jesus, and they have this conversation with Jesus. And, you know, he's like, hey, what's been going on? And they're like, are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know what happened? And, of course, they relate to Jesus all the horrific things and how depressed and anxious they are and how dejected they are and hopeless they are. And Jesus is giving them some reason to hope. In fact, they come to a point in the story where he's sharing with them scriptures. And it's sort of at a crossroads, if you will, literally and figuratively. And he sort of pauses to see, do these individuals want more of me? and more of what I'm sharing with them? Or are they just going to live in this hopeless, dejected, depressed state? He he wants the invitation to come from them to invite him in for more. And so they do. They literally say, even though they don't know it's Jesus yet, Jesus, will you stay with us? We want to spend a little bit more time with you today. And Jesus accepts their invitation and goes into their house. And you see that in verse 30 where he literally is sitting down at a table with them and he's breaking bread. And then look at verse 31. It says, at this moment, their eyes were open." And they recognized him. Don't miss that. Because these were people that walked with Jesus for at least three years of his earthly life. They knew what he looked like. They knew what his voice sounded like. We would say for all intents and purposes, they knew Jesus. And yet, up to this point, they did not know recognize him now some have sought to explain that away by saying well the last time they saw him you know he was so horribly disfigured and and that was sort of the image that they had of him was the image on the cross and now he's in his glorified body so there's such a difference there I get that to a point but that would totally miss the whole point of this whole story because the word opened here is a word that we're going to encounter throughout the rest of our message today. In fact, we see that this whole chapter is filled with openings. First of all, we've seen an open or empty tomb in chapter 24. And now we see these individuals who have their eyes opened. Why is this significant? Because the word opened means to be opened by a supernatural external source. In other words, they couldn't open their own eyes, if you will, and recognize and see Jesus in the way that God wanted them to. Because this is also to see God more fully and more certainly, you see. And they couldn't see the Jesus that they needed to see with their own physical eyes. They had to have God supernaturally work so that they began to look at things through spiritual eyes that only God can give us. Because spiritual truth, can only be seen and discerned by spiritual eyes. And there was no way then that these men could truly see Jesus in the way they needed to see him with just their physical eyes. They, in a sense, needed an eye transplant. And it was only when God did this work that the Bible says immediately their eyes were opened and they recognized him and then Jesus just vanished right away. Dear brothers and sisters, many of you may be still struggling to see the things that God wants you to see and that you need to see, but you're trying to do it in your flesh. You're trying to do it in your natural state. And the Bible teaches us, first of all, our flesh profits nothing. So many Christians waste so much of their life trying to redeem what can't be redeemed. The flesh cannot be redeemed. The Bible teaches us what we should be focused on is not trying to redeem our flesh, which which can't be redeemed, but to fill our spirit and to focus on the health of our spirit, not trying to gain greater understanding of God through our flesh. The Bible teaches that the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit because they are only spiritually discerned. So you have people even like these followers who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I can't see. Then here's what you and I need. We need to ask God and be open to God and be willing for God and to be humble enough to say, God, I need you to open my eyes. I need you to do a work in my eyes so that I can begin to see the things that I need to see and and that you want me to see because apart from you doing it, I can't see it. I can't see what I need to see and what I want to see. And there's many reasons too some Christians aren't willing to see the things that God wants them to see. And if, in fact, we could say that about all of these followers. They weren't willing to accept the suffering that their Lord was going to have to go through. So the, the, the whole resurrection thing sort of got lost in the fact that, nope can't be this way. I'm just going to, you know, hide my eyes and pretend like it doesn't happen. And so many times it's we're not willing to see the things that God wants us to see or need to see. And we need to get to that point where we say, God, whatever it is you need me to see or want me to see, I'm willing to see it. And then God can open up our eyes. For some, it's fear. It's like there's still that lack of trust. Like, I don't want to make myself vulnerable to God I don't want to put myself out there even to God because I really don't trust him enough yet to say, God, show me what you want to show me because I'm afraid of what you're going to show me. As if God's going to show us things that are harmful to us or not the best for us. So there's all kinds of different dynamics and reasons why we as human beings, sometimes even God followers, struggle to say, God, open my eyes. But what I want us to see today And be very clear about in this passage is these individuals who were disciples and followers of Jesus Christ could not see Jesus in the way they needed to see him because their eyes hadn't been opened yet by the Lord. And it was only the Lord and it is only the Lord in our life that can truly open our eyes to show us the things that we need to see. Let me move on for a second. If you want to turn there, you can, but in Mark chapter 7, verse 34, Mark's gospel, chapter 7, verse 34, Jesus encounters a man who's deaf. And the reason I want to go there is because the same word for opened is the word that Jesus uses there. When he encounters this deaf man, he says to this man, as he's getting ready to heal him of his deafness, he says, be opened. Same word that's used by Luke, about the eyes of these followers being opened, now Jesus uses that same word and speaks to the deaf man, be opened, and the man immediately, instantaneously began to hear. Now obviously this is talking about the opening of physical ears. But again, the same principle is true that I not only can not see the things that God wants me to see and that I need to see without him opening my eyes, but I also cannot hear the things that I should be hearing, need to be hearing, what God wants me to be hearing with just my physical ears. I have got to let God do a work and supernaturally open up my ears so that I can hear his voice more fully and more certainly to be dialed in and tuned in to the voice of God. So many Christians throughout their life struggle to hear God's voice and to discern, is this God speaking to me or not? And then to be certain about, nope, that's God. God is speaking to me. And it's only when you and I allow God to open up our ears, can we begin to hear the voice of God and what that sounds like to us and then be able to To be confident in it that yep that that's God that's why Jesus throughout the gospel said he who has ears to hear let him hear well everybody had ears he wasn't talking about physical ears he was talking about do you have the spiritual ears on you to be able to hear what I'm saying to you and obviously we know not Because Jesus over and over again said, I'm going to rise from the dead even though they kill me. I'm going to rise from the dead even though... And nobody believed him because God had not yet been able to open up their ears to spiritual truth. So just as you and I need spiritual eyes to see spiritual truth, we need spiritual ears to be able to hear God. That's why Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know that it's me. Do you have those ears to be able to hear the voice of Jesus so that you know, yep, that's Jesus speaking to me and to know what to do and when to do it and where to go and all that, because Jesus will lead us not only by his word, but by his voice. God, though, has to open it. God has to open supernaturally our ears and our eyes so that we can experience him more fully than where we're at and more certainly. So there's going to be two results of it. We're going to see him in a greater way, sung about the greatness of God, and we're going to see him in a more certain, confident way or hear him in that way. And that's why all of us hopefully are saying, God, that's what I want. I want to see you more, and I want to hear you more, and I want to know you more fully and more certainly. Which leads us then back to Luke 24. In verse 32 of Luke 24, after he vanished away, these two individuals said, did not our hearts burn within us when he was on the road with us explaining the scriptures? First of all, that word explaining is the same word in the original language, to open the sense of, okay? So that's important, to open the sense of the scriptures. And I love what these individuals say, did not our hearts burn within us? Literally, Jesus was setting these two people on fire, spiritually, and that's what God wants to do to all of us. He wants to set every one of his followers on fire for him so that we are burning. But the only way that happens is when we are having our eyes open by him, our ears opened by him, and then our minds opened by him. Because go over now to Luke 24, verse 45. Notice it says in verse 45, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. Same again, word. He opened their mind. They could not understand the Scriptures. They could not grasp the word of God properly, fully, and more certainly, apart from divine enablement. They could have read the word of God all day long and they are only going to get a very surface, uh, superficial understanding. It's like, can unsaved people literally open up their Bible and understand like the facts of it? Yeah, sure. And, and can even a Christian, can, can we have a cursory understanding by just opening up and reading it? Sure. But you're never going to understand it the way God wants you and I to understand it apart from him. We're never going to understand the fullness of the word of God and and, and the, the certainty of what it can do in our lives apart from him opening up our minds. It's got to be him. I want you to know as your pastor I ask God to do that every day, not only for my benefit, but for yours. Even though, yes, God called me to the position of pastor-teacher, and even though he's gifted me accordingly for that position in his kingdom, it's not like I can go to the Bible as your pastor, and all of a sudden, just because of the way God wired me, somehow I get stuff that you couldn't get. I have to go every day and say, God, open up my mind so I can understand this, because apart from you, I won't get it, because that's true for all of us. We're only going to be able to go so far without God's help, so some of you, man, you've been You've been struggling and working so hard to get more out of your Bible reading and Bible study, and you seem to always maybe hit a wall very quickly. My encouragement to you, well, I guess my question, first of all, is are you trying to do that just in your flesh, in your human nature, trying to grasp a little bit more, or are you really, truly totally relying and depending on the Holy Spirit to open up your mind and be able to show you things in his word that you could never see otherwise. I love what the psalmist David writes in Psalm 119, verse 18. He says, God, open my eyes that I may truly see the marvelous things you have in your word. That should be the prayer of all of us. Every day, God, open up my eyes and my mind so that I can truly see the marvelous things you have for me in your word. Because apart from God doing it, we're not going to understand it. We're not going to be able to grasp or make sense of it, which is what the word understand means in verse 45. In fact, that's why unsaved people can make very little sense out of the Bible if they approach it until they become a Christian and have the Holy Spirit and have the ability for God to be able to open things up for them. Because again, the natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit. In fact, Paul goes on to say they're foolishness to the natural man. That's why you need to make sure that a person is saved before you try to encourage them to have any understanding of the Bible. And that's why so many people out there that we run into, you know, on a daily and weekly basis. We can't expect them, if, if we struggle with it, we can't expect them to see things from our perspective as Christians if they don't even have the Lord yet. They're blind to it. Let's first love them and pray for them and share the gospel with them, but to expect them to be able to grasp spiritual truth in the state that they are in when you and I can't even grasp spiritual truth without divine enablement, that's an impossibility. One other. If you go over to the book of Acts, a book that we're starting to study on Wednesday night, And you go to chapter 16 verse 14 I want to share one other opening if you will that God does here in the New Testament and all of these openings are what now has made the difference between a group of followers who thought that the Lord's resurrection was a bunch of nonsense and now beginning in the book of Acts you have a group of people who are turning the world upside down by their faith. What is making the difference? Well, yes, it is the presence of the Holy Spirit, as we started to talk about on Wednesday night. But part of that presence of the Holy Spirit in their life is the capacity and the ability, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, to have their eyes opened up, to have their ears opened up, and to have their minds opened up. But there's one other part of us that God wants us to be open to. And that's our heart. Oh, and sometimes that's that's the last domino to fall for many of us. To give God our heart and to make our heart vulnerable even to God. And you have that instance here in Acts chapter 16 verse 14 by the story of a man named a woman, excuse me, named Lydia. Which, by the way, let's give kudos to the girls. Do you know that Lydia was the first convert in Europe? The first convert to Christ in Europe was not a man, it was a woman. Lydia was the first European convert, where many of our relatives eventually came from. So we could trace our roots, so to speak, back to Lydia. The Bible tells us a little bit about her, she was a businesswoman there in Thetira, and she was a worshiper of God. Don't miss that because the Bible is very intentionally describing her as a worshiper of God even before she became a Christian because it says she was a God-fear, but literally it's the word worshiper. It means here's a woman who was going to church on a weekly basis very consistently, because she had great respect and reverence for God, but she did not personally know him yet and have a personal relation. The reason why this is so significant is I wonder even today in churches just spread out around our country, how many, if you will, worshipers of God there are dotted in our church services. People who are there, who have a great reverence and respect for God, but they've never really had their heart opened yet to a personal relationship with him. That's where Lydia is. But here's the thing about Lydia. Lydia is at least putting herself in a place where God can open her heart. Because guess where she's at every week? In the house of God. And look, look what else Luke is telling us about her. She is continuously listening to us. And Luke includes himself in there. Paul, Silas, Luke, and whoever else was part of the missionary team in Thetira. She is continually listening. And based on that, then notice what it says The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. The Lord opened. An opening by a supernatural external source. In other words, God is teaching all of us. I can't try harder to see God in my own ability. I can't hear God more by trying to make it happen within me. I can't understand God and his word more by anything that I can do. I can't have a heart that's willing to, and ready to respond to God in my own self. It all has to be the work of God. God has to do it, and God will do it, and wants to do it supernaturally. But what he's looking for are those that want it, willing for it, or even maybe ready to wait until God's perfect timing And then the opening happens and all of a sudden this transformation in this spiritual state of an individual just totally changes because God, all of a sudden as we say, the light bulb goes on and their eyes are open and their ears are open and their mind is open and their heart now is open and they're ready to respond to whatever God wants. That's why those of us as leaders, even back in the room here before the worship team and and, and I come out on, on Sundays or whatever, we're always praying for hearts to be opened to what God wants. Because we understand it can't be by us and what we do up here. It has to be that all of us are saying, God, open my heart because I can't respond to you in the way I should or, or maybe even the way I want to unless you, God, do a work on my heart and you open it up so that I can fully respond to you the way you want me to and the way I should. And that's why so many Christians, in a sense, too, sort of are always holding back and holding a few cards in their hands because whether it's, again, through fear or not even wanting to be vulnerable with God or... You know, whatever it is, that, that lack of trust, it's like, no, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give you my heart. I, I don't want you to come in and, and, and truly, you know, open up my heart because I don't know where that's going to take me. I don't know what that's going to mean. But I know this. I know based upon this passage of Scripture that we've looked at today and so many others in the Word of God, here's what I know for sure. God wants to open our eyes so that we can see Him more. God wants to open our ears so that we can hear Him more clearly and more certainly. God wants to open our minds so that we can understand and know Him more fully and more certainly. And God wants to open our hearts so that we can properly respond to him in our life, in our worship, in all of that we do. And I believe that there may even just be one person here today. Again, most of the time, God works progressively and steadily. But there are times, just like with these two individuals in Luke 24, where God works instantaneously. He works immediately. All he's looking for is that perfect timing and that perfect moment where his will and our want to and our willingness come together and man, things change so dramatically. And I believe that that's going to happen for someone here today and maybe even someone who's watching from their homes today. Will you be open today to being opened by God? And maybe there's something specific. God, I need to see something. Will you show me? God, I need to hear something. Will you let me hear it? God, I need to understand something. Will you help me to understand it and grasp it? God, I need my heart to respond to you in a certain way. Will you open up my heart? And that's why I have believed that this Sunday, God wanted me to offer an anointing at the end of both services. Because for those of you that truly feel the Lord moving and that that you're responding to what God is is doing in your heart right now, that some of you will want to come and be anointed for for the the, the symbolic meaningfulness of the fact that this is a moment for you. This is you and God coming together in, in, in a defining time of your life and you want to mark that moment listen in just a few moments we're going to go through a time of worship and one of our elders mike is going to assist me this morning in our anointing he's going to station himself over here for all of you in these sections that want to be anointed i will be over here in this section for all of you who may want to be anointed. And again, it's not something that Mike and I do that magically happens. It's God. It's God just working and working through us. But when we anoint you today, we want you to be affirmed and assured in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart that God wants to open your eyes, your ears, your minds, and your heart. And he is ready and willing to do it. And maybe you have that desire too. And there's this perfect coming together that's taking place this morning in this room or maybe even there in your homes this morning. Are we open to being opened? That's the question. I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come. And as they come and get settled here on the platform, I'm going to ask you all to stand with me. Listen, I don't know if anybody wants to truly feel that God is moving them to be anointed, but I do know this. God wanted me to offer it today. So again, as we begin to sing these songs of worship this morning, Mike will be here, I will be here, any of you that would like to come, you know, maybe we can even spend a little few seconds with, with you, pray with you if, if we get that opportunity, however the Lord leaves. but we just want to let this be God's time. But I know this, God wants us all at this moment in our church and in this moment in our lives, to be more open to Him than we've ever been before. And to maybe for the first time realize, I've been trying to see God and hear God and understand God and respond to God on my own without His help. Oh my goodness, my whole life now is totally changed. I'm seeing now, I can't do it. I've got to have Him do it. And maybe that's a light bulb moment for some of you here today. That's good. That's what God wants. So would you just join me in prayer for just a moment before we enter into our time of worship? Father, we we are once again reminded, God, that there's nothing we can achieve without you. There's nothing, God, we can ever accomplish apart from you. We need you. You've got to be the one, God, to open our eyes, our ears, our minds, and our heart. We can't do it. We can't see you properly, hear you properly, understand you properly, or respond to you properly on our own without you. It's all from you, God. And so I pray this morning that as you are moving in our midst, that, God, we will be open to your opening in our life. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.